This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. We use the support of our patrons to bring you the best show we can. We also reward our patrons with bonus audio each week. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share nerdy stuff and talk to our listeners. You can also reach us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, erica.nerdpodcastradio at, you guessed it, gmail.com. It's not at, you guessed it, it's erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com and anthony. it's a joke anthony doesn't have an email address you can also reach us on twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at CurseySmurfErica, and of course, at NerdcastRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Good morning and welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host this morning, Super Vegan Brian, and I am joined by some rarities this morning. We haven't had either of them on in forever, but the first most important return to the podcast is Hindu Anthony. Good morning. Yay. What's up, Buttercup indeed. (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) And we are joined by a very special guest this morning, fantasy cartographer Anna Meyer. Good morning. Um, Special Mikey is doing errands for Easter, so he couldn't make it this morning. Cursey Smurf Erica is doing some kind of secret project that I'm not allowed to know about that will find its way onto our Patreon eventually. She's not going to be here next week either, but she she scheduled a substitute. So we're going to have a surprise substitute for Cursey Smurf Erica next week. But this morning, um, we talked about what kind of nerdy topic we're going to talk about, and we, um, we couldn't nail down one thing so we decided to just have an open discussion do some random topics talk about the nerdy stuff we're currently into nerdy things we want to talk about we've jotted down a few ideas but we're going to go all over the place but before we even get into what's nerdy with you let's start with anna uh, for the guests who don't know for the listeners who don't know you um give us a short intro well, I'm, I'm Anna Meyer, and I grew up in Sweden and moved to California seven years ago, and I've been mapping, and I've been playing D&D and, and role-playing games for like 40 years, and I've been uh, mapping for many, many years as a hobby, and then when I moved to California, I realized I should start doing it full-time, so I'm doing fantasy maps full-time. That's fantastic. I, You know, I'm always in awe of your history and your career and the fact that you got to live your dream. Um, yeah, and you do a lot of cool stuff, Anna. You mm-hmm. also have the world's greatest stories of all time. <laughs> um, we were talking to um, game designer Mike Myler last week, and he was like, yeah, she's done some incredible things. You know, she used to fly jets. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. Yep. <laughs> so random. Um, yep. And... Um, you know, for, for listeners who don't know you, Anthony, why don't you give everybody a short intro? I know, right? I mean, we've probably, like, gained a whole bunch of followers and listeners since I've been gone. I'm Hindu Anthony, and I don't do any, like, cool, awesome stuff that Anna does, but I am pretty nerdy. I've been playing video games since I was, like, five years old. Now that I've gotten older, I've gotten into things like the D&D, Pathfinder, Warhammer 40K, 
LARPing. Game. LARPing. Oh, yeah, I'm LARPing now. Okay, for those of you that don't know that, it's live action role play. Once a month, me and my girlfriend, we go out and we dress up and we pretend like we're vampires. And then we also do it on forums. And I got a really good story about that this week. Oh, man, you guys are going to love it. Oh, um, cool. So that's what I do. So we're going to talk about insert random topic here, which I think that's going to be the name of the episode. Um, but first, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where the three of us share the nerdiest thing we did this week. And at the end, we use the patented, famous um, Myler's Widget System, a system created by Mike Myler, veteran game designer, to make our game as complicated and time-consuming as possible. Um, so the we're all going to share the nerdiest thing we did this week. And as our guest, Anna, you get to go first. What's the nerdiest thing you did this week? Uh, for me, it is that 20 years ago, I started a hobby project for just for myself to, to, to map the world of Greyhawk, just for my own campaign. And then a few years afterwards, the internet came around, and, and I created a, a little primitive website and started putting my maps online, and things kind of went wild after that. So, so, so now it's this year, it's 20 years anniversary since I started. And two days ago, I actually started work on version 2.0 of my map. So now I'm actually starting to, starting over again, mapping the same world of Greyhawk, the Flannies, that I started 20 years ago, but with 20-year young, more modern technology. And so that, I think, is the nerdiest thing that I've done this and, week. And not only technology, but 20 years of experience. Yes, that too. Mm-hmm. And you also have a very famous person in the in the game design world doing some work with you, don't you? Well, I have a, a bunch of people lined up to to um, on my patron and that will uh, help out and and to be co-creators with me. And I met Darlene a couple of weeks ago at Garycon, and she did the original Greyhawk map that I'm so fond of. And I guess every every Greyhawk person on the planet, they kind of fell in love with her map. And and so she will help me out and, and do things. So and I have a, a couple of other people lined up in the future as well. So it's 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 really fun. Yep. Oh you got some secret surprises ready for us? Uh, a few and and you might have me on in a couple of weeks and there's one of them I can hopefully talk about. That oh, that's be, cool. It'd be fun. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. So, so this is one week too early. Otherwise, next week I could really done something super, super nerdy that we can talk about in a future episode. Well, I was going to actually ask you to come back next week. Okay. No, we we'll wait a couple of more weeks or, or one okay. more week. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we're going to do our Pathfinder second edition episode next yeah. week. I can I can spill the beans saying that next week when you do the recording, I will be in Seattle. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't wait to find out what that means. <laughs> um, Anthony, you have been hyping up your nerdy thing off the call. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. What was your nerdy thing this week? So something that happened in the LARP forums. So as Brian would say, it's something I did by myself. But no, there are other people involved in the thread. It's just, you know, I was sitting on my phone typing things out. Was so, anybody in front of the computer with you? No. You did it by yourself. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Semantics. So, uh, a little backstory. My character had found himself in some trouble and ended up getting arrested. And some people had to bail him out of jail. And so, as a kind of a punishment, sort of, um, he had a cat assigned to him to follow him around and make sure he wasn't doing any magic. Because my character can do, like, blood magic uh, for three months. 
and this cat reports to someone who can talk to animals. And I have to make sure this cat stays safe and stays around me for these three months. So later, my character finds himself in a scene with my girlfriend's character, Emma, and this other character called Sigrun. Oh, my character's name is Alistair. And they're up on this this roof, and this guy's coming and question talking to us, blah, blah, blah. And the cat runs away because the cat's terrified of this guy coming. And it was a very tense scene. My girlfriend's character found out that her child or like this vampire she sired had died investigating all this stuff. And it was this extremely tense scene. And then all of a sudden, my, sudden my character goes, okay, ladies, this has been great, but I got to go get my cat. And I run across the roof and I jump to the tree, to the tree that the cat ran across and he fails. He failed the role really bad and he falls down and he falls down three stories of apartments and then just hits the ground and this random dude comes up and is like, oh shit, are you okay? My character gets up. I'm okay. I meant to do that. I gotta get my cat and runs off. That's great. So it's, it's, (laughs) it's dude running across. I gotta go get my cat guys runs, falls Oh my god, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I totally meant to do that. I gotta get my cat. Run away. Wow. Crazy yep. cat vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine what the random dude who came up to check on him was think, like, must be telling his friends, like, I don't know, man. I just saw the guy fall three stories. He falls down, gets up like nothing happened, yells at me about getting his cat and just runs off as if he didn't <laughs> just, like, break all his bones in his body. Yep. Uh, I'm imagining that person as a podcast host on a podcast <laughs> in that universe, and that's the nerdiest <laughs> thing he did that week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was – everyone was laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone. Everyone thought it was the funniest. Like, we had, like, a whole out-of-character conversation about just how ridiculous it was. What's what's it like on the on the Vampire RPG forums? Uh, We go to free forums, and so there's, like, these different – um. It's broken up into these different boxes, um, and each box has, like, a different, like, um, groupings of threads. So there's, like, general, um, there's threads for narratives where people can write out their own personal narratives. There's threads for um, your clan. There's for your, yeah, your clan, which is kind of like, basically, your bloodline, what kind of vampire you are. And then there's, um, yeah, kind of like your race. Um, Then there's ones for your covenant, which is kind of the group you belong to um you kind of like um kind of like your political party um and in those and in those hasn't changed it seems like vampire hasn't changed too much since i played it in the early 2000s i wouldn't know uh you play you you said you did masquerade right yep yeah yeah well there's some changes like they got rid of some covenants and they made new ones and i think they changed certain clans and the way they work yeah, I, I actually remember that Vampire actually used to have an official LARP book back then. Then, Do they still do? I think they do. I have to ask, I'd have to ask Eric, our storyteller. Uh, like, an example of a change that they made is that um, Nosferatu aren't con- aren't technically considered ugly now. Like, like that is the kind of the common thing people go with is like, oh, it's Nosferatu. He's really, really ugly. But... The way they explain Nosferatu now is they're just kind of really creepy and monster. Like they're the they're the monster aspect of vampires. So it doesn't have to mean they're ugly. They just have to be really creepy and something about them just like is creepy and like weirds you out. Anna, is vampire a game you ever had any contact with? 
Uh, not much. I've actually seen uh, or looked at as a spectator on a couple of, of uh, LARP sessions, not whole ones, but like half an hour or so at Gen Con. That's about it. And I've seen the books and I kind of looked through them a little bit, but I have never played it or have any, any real experience with it. Well, I think that leads up to me. And I have been planning this nerdy thing since the beginning of the podcast. And it just it's just serendipitous that Anthony gets to be on this morning because I played the worst video game ever made this week. I bought and paid, paid it. And Anthony, do you have any idea what that video game is? Worst video game? Tyranny. Tyranny. Yeah, I have a feeling you are going <laughs> to. You're so funny. Uh, okay, I'm going to go past the joke and give my honest opinion of it. Um, I I like it. It's It's good. It's a good game. It's just like what you exactly said. It's a good game. Um, I do find it to be, I like the whole political aspect. I like the fact that you're playing a bad guy. I like that you have freedom of choice where you can rebel if you want to. Yeah, you uh, could become a good guy. What I don't like about it is the dungeons are awful. Oh, really? I do not like the dungeons. I do like the traps. I do like the traps. I think it handles traps better than most games do. Um, but... They're awful in that how dungeons are awful in most RPGs in that if you you miss a room and you go through the whole dungeon, you can waste a crap load of time and actually like encourage you to rage quit if you they get frustrating. Like you'll you'll get stuck on a quest because you can't find the one room that's like hidden in the corner of your map. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand why that yeah. would be frustrating. Yeah. So yeah. Every time I get to a quest that involves the old walls. I groan. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, but the the premise of the game is that the the overlord has already won. He's taken over the entire continent, and there's this except one for like this one bastion of like holdouts. Yeah, there's this one little disputed territory, and there's a conflict between two factions within the overlord's army, and you're like a adjudicator, and you have to enforce the law of the overlord and really i thought it would be very cut and dry that you follow ruthless tactics and you can kind of win at this game and the cat is rubbing against the microphone (laughs) (laughs) um but it's not like that at all it's like sometimes i feel like everything you do is wrong um you you make a decision and it's like you have gained wrath with so and so you go back to your save game and you try it again You've gained wrath with so-and-so. That that's the same so-and-so that I gained wrath with for making the opposite decision. That's not fair. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, of- yeah. You sometimes find yourself in situations where there's no way to please people. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's kind of realistic. I mean, sometimes you're going to find yourself in situations where there's no good answer. I, I, I find that the hardest thing for me is if I relate to things with compassion, I'm often punished for it. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. My you're being go-to. compassionate. People do not like that. <laughs> yeah, that's like my go-to thing in a game is like to be humane and it's like i'll be humane and it's like you have gained wrath with four different people <laughs> so so why go on this quest to play the worst game ever um because i finished divinity original sin 2 uh-huh. and i didn't want to play divinity original sin 1 because i read some reviews and it was like if you played 2 it's still a good game but you're going to be disappointed and i didn't want i and i wanted to play a rich rpg and 
it's what I had left. And I thought it would be funny to bring up on the podcast since I've been trashing on the game so much, yeah. Anthony, yeah. even though I'd never played it. But I will I will clear I agree with him. It's a pretty good game. Um just I think like Pillars of game. Eternity was better though, probably. I don't know. I, I, I think this game kind of cranks up to be a little bit better than Pillars of Eternity because of the unique style of gameplay. Um I like that you have this huge freedom of choice. And you never feel like you have to serve the overlord. You can always betray him. Yeah, you can. You can join the resistance, actually. I don't know what happens if you do that, though. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. And I, I kind of figure that if you do, you're, you're, um, you're playing the game on hard mode. Oh, I bet. I bet it, become, I bet it becomes like super difficult. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a cool, it's a cool game. It's the, the part that inspired the whole joke about being the worst game ever is because when anthony described it he described it as you play for an hour just in a war campaign making decisions about what happened in the war and i was like that sounds awful (laughs) (laughs) and and that particular part of the game it is kind of dry it's you're you're basically it just goes on a map and it goes through each part of the war campaign and you play you feel like you're playing one of these really dry war games and you're just making decisions on what you did during the five-year conquest of the region. Hi, Kitty. You are being bad today. Anyway, um, you're you're just going through the five-year conquest and making decisions what you did, and that part's kind of dry. But when you actually get into the gameplay and realize that everything you did during the war involves gameplay, it gives you some... Imp- it, it impressed me about the design of the game. It's like, wow, they really went into detail thinking about everything. Yeah, like it affects your starting facts, your starting reputation with the two factions based on like whether or not you gave one more power or the other, and um, it could even change the landscape. Like you know, if you destroy certain things or don't destroy certain things, that'll affect things. Uh, like I actually, when I was playing my the the rival faction, the um, the resistance actually kind of had a positive outlook on me because I kind of wasn't a dick in the war, basically. Like anytime there was a chance to let like survive, to let the innocent like leave the cities, I'd be like, yeah, like we don't need to kill like random innocent people. One of the things about the game, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. It's not come. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I wondered, is it possible to actually garner peace between the two main factions, or do you end up having to pick a side no matter what? Um, I think you have to pick a side because their their fight just becomes so like they just like they're too far gone like they can't they can't um they want to fight with each other so i think you have to pick a side yeah there's a whole civil war aspect to the game uh to understand the two the two sides um basically one is like they're a smaller group but they're elite soldiers and the other one's a bigger group of like a huge army but they're like kind of disorganized chaotic like and not very well trained so yeah you got you got one group that's like the roman legion and then another group that's nothing but a horde of of conscripted soldiers. Yeah. And so obviously they have very differing, like, ideas of how to handle the war. Um, like, you know, the one that's, like, about conscripting soldiers, they're kind of like, hey, don't kill everybody. We need them for soldiers and slaves. And the other group's like, no, fucking murder everybody that's against us because we don't need them. I also noticed that the one the group that conscripts everybody is all about like gathering strength from all these different cultures. And then the group that is insular is more like let's stick to our northern culture and every other culture is dirty. 
Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, doesn't make which makes sense. When when the um when the 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 two go to war, I actually gasped because it 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 looked like there was going to be an epic throwdown in the tent, and then one disappears. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's done. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were about to fight too, and I was like, oh. I now I did in my first playthrough. This is what I did, and I think this is always the right option. Um, I fucking kicked the dude off the tower, and I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not picking either side. You all are a bunch of idiots. I literally came here to tell you guys I was going to kill everybody if you didn't listen to the overlord's rules and you just can't stop fighting. So you guys are so utterly incompetent. I'm going to do this because you guys can't do can't seem to get anything done. I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing where the game goes because you're developing all this power and influence in the game and there's still an overlord. So do you do you try to usurp him or do you do you end up just being his big servant forever or does he turn on you eventually? It's just it, I'm wondering what's going to happen. I bet one I, day you try to usurp him. I bet that's what happens. One of the big things about games, um, role playing games, is I look for replayability and they really this game is super replayable because you have three main choices, but each choice has like a whole bunch of sub choices that greatly affect the game. And you can compound that, and make it more complicated by making very different choices during the conquest. So yeah, it's not the most terrible game in the world, even though it is. So now we have to vote. Anna, you get four widgets. Where do you want to put them and why? Uh, I love the, the, the LARP, um, Anthony's LARP thing. That was, that was, that was super cool. So, so uh, I, I put, I put, uh, let's see, I put two there, and and that leaves one left over, right? You have two more. Two more. Okay, I'll give two to Anthony, and then I give yes. one to you, uh, Brian, for 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 that was yeah uh, to kind of give me an insight and think about playing computer games more. I kind of yeah, I, I really needed that, and I give one to myself for at least starting work all over again, <laughs> which is probably not the smartest thing to do ever. So yeah, Anthony, what about you? I think I'll give two to Brian because finally playing the game, Mister. It's such a dumb game. Actually, I, I think I like it. And then I'll give two to Anna because I mean, Anna, you you do awesome stuff, and you're redoing it all. I mean, what's nerdier than like going like I did a super nerdy thing? Now let's start all the way over and do it all over again. <laughs> yep. And myself, this is really hard because. I felt really proud of myself to finally stick it to Anthony, and I thought it was really cool that he finally, uh, yeah, that proud. he showed up. And when I when I finally played the game, that is just such a coincidence that the day you managed to make it to the podcast, I just played that game this week. Anna, though, I have a literal investment in her projects because I'm a patron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, oh, this is hard because Anthony's story with the cat was freaking ridiculous. And I always think that sitting in front of a computer by yourself and typing about vampires is one of the nerdiest things you possibly can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's kind of, yeah, it's ridiculously nerdy. So let's give, oh, this is so hard. Well, I guess I'm giving one to everybody. And then my last one goes to Anthony, which puts us in the first three-way tie of the podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> What? So, I guess we have to split the widgets. We each get four. Mm-hmm. We all win. Wow, that yep. hasn't ever happened. That's awesome. Yep. Woohoo! I, I was that was really hard for me because I couldn't justify giving any of my uh, giving all to myself. 
I was really proud of myself. And then, oh yeah, you oh, you had the best so. presentation by far. And um, and Anthony, you know, no matter what you say, you're typing about vampires in by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, and then other people are also typing about vampires by themselves at the same time. <laughs> I know. Right? We're all just typing about vampires by ourselves together. <laughs> I um last night um Erica Heather and I um sat by ourselves together and watched the new episode of Supernatural which was the Supernatural Scooby Doo crossover. Oh uh, yeah, how was that? I'm I'm waiting for it to get on Netflix before I watch because I don't want to be like spoiled of the like the rest of the season. It was good. Um you you should watch Scooby Natural out of order because it doesn't spoil anything. They wrote it as a actual one-off. Oh, so it's a one-off, so it doesn't spoil anything. Okay. It doesn't spoil anything, and it's so worthwhile. Um, non-spoiler review. Um, they managed to cross over the shows, and they they honored Scooby-Doo without without sacrificing Supernatural. So it's not it's not a parody of Scooby-Doo. It's pure Scooby-Doo, but it's also not. Sam and Dean in a Scooby-Doo episode. It's a supernatural episode. Yeah, it's it's really really. It, it we were we were cracking up like crazy watching the whole thing. Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anna's just smiling and nodding because she doesn't watch the show. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> or I'm, Scooby-Doo I'm show. I, I used to watch Scooby-Doo when I was a kid, but I was too scared of it, so I I kind of sat there and saw through my fingers when I was like ten years old or something. I can it's a really good that. show, Anna. You gotta watch it. Supernatural is a good show. It's mm-hmm. a good show. You're in the mm-hmm. right demographic for it too. Okay, good. Yep. Yeah, women like the show a lot better than men. Wim- do. Yeah, I don't understand women really why. like the show. Yeah, they they are they are pretty pretty attractive. So, Anna, you're doing you you've been working off and on on your islands project on Patreon, and mm-hmm. like I said, I'm invested in this. That was what attracted me to your Patreon because it's you you have not only sent out some really, really nice maps for the advanced patrons. You've sent out Photoshop files and map view files and all sorts of cool stuff. Oh, yeah. I uh, the, the the top tier patrons, they get everything, all the source files, they get everything so they can recreate and change and, and alter it. That's that's part of the plan with the patron is to to teach people that how to do it so the top patrons they they get to 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 do what i do so to speak and and one of the things that i haven't done yet is to to record more videos on how to and 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 have more articles about how to to how i've done what i've done but all the source material is there and then the lowest tier is just if you just want the results and no fuss about it then you just pay a buck and you get the the final results and then you have a five dollar version where you get more of the the advanced stuff you get layered files you get some extra goodies and so on and then you have a ten dollar i have a ten dollar pledge level where you actually get to tell me what to do next and give me ideas and stuff and a twenty dollar level where you get everything include the kitchen sink including all the source files and everything yeah but when i was reading your patron i was just expecting to get the maps i didn't realize you were going to do some you were going to actually plan some campaign material behind the maps. And that was the part I got most excited about because I didn't expect that at all. 
Yeah, it was it was a way of, of, of making the maps more interesting and also a way for me to to spark my creativity because this was uh, the islands project was a way for me to see where the limits were. How much could you do a, 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 a kind of an overview map that that covered a large area? This is a map that covers 60 by 60 miles. It's, an, it's a group of islands, about 10 islands in various sizes. The biggest one is like 50 square miles. And, and then this, the smallest ones are, are just a, a 100 yards across. And I wanted to depict this photorealistically, meaning it's a fantasy part that doesn't exist in the real world. And I wanted to make it so, so I took the resolution of 10 feet per pixel. So it's, it's close enough that you can actually... Um, see the individual buildings you can see roads and trails and 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 even trees so so that's the 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 scale of it and so it was kind of a, a way to see if i can push technology and and how how detailed you can make something and still cover a fairly large area and the, it's probably my worst managed project in history that the, in, in my 20 year history i haven't managed anything this bad so yeah. i kind of first of all i didn't realize that if you increase the scale twice over an area, that means that you get four times more work. And that was the first, my first mistake. And then I also realized that when you, when you make it more detailed in scale, if you go to from 100 feet to, to 10 feet per pixel, it's not only 10 times more stuff to, to, to do, it's, it's probably 100 times more difficult to render. So instead of something rendering, because I use 3D software to, to develop my, my terrain and stuff in. So going from a render time of a few hours to like almost a week, that, was, that kind of blew me off. But I was so stubborn that I just kept doing it. And it was supposed to have taken three, four weeks. And it took like 10 weeks to do it. But I'm really, <laughs> wow. really pleased with the results because it's, it's the best detailed fantasy terrain out of Hollywood ever. I don't think there is any fantasy terrain of that size that has been detailed that well outside of Hollywood. Um, the patrons are really happy with it, mm -hmm. including yep. myself. Thank I you. and I was honored to see that my um my Tengu my Tengu Brewers Monastery made the cut for the campaign material. Yeah, I think that was that was that was the best. I've I've asked my patrons to come up with ideas of things to put on the map, like small villages, uh, pirate hideouts, etc., etc., etc. And I got about twenty proposals for things, and then I put a, a few in the list myself. And my favorite of, of all was Brian's suggestion that that on a small kind of craggy island that was really difficult to access, a lot of cliffs, very no beaches, and and just a few little places where you can actually take a small boat and, and climb up the cliffs that on that flat plain that was part of, of, of the, the it's like a, a, a giant Mesa, the, the island, and on top of it up there, there was a, a Tengu monastery that was bitten, and they brew, um, they make a brew every hundred years, and then they, they release it, or, or yeah, it was the, the backstory, Brian, please tell the backstory, yeah, but it was um, fantastic. Well, they, um, they accept people to come to to request the brew and you have to you have to f follow a series of challenges to be able yep. to get the brew and only one only one person or group is allowed to have this whiskey every hundred years mm-hmm yep 
Yeah, I thought that the story was so fantastic and awesome, and and I could I could see so so I actually put in the brewery is there, and 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 they have a small little trail down to one of the 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 hidden coves in there where you can go with a boat, and you have to find it, and you have to walk up the beach, and then you have to walk through and and find the 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 trail up the the hills, and then you have to walk up a few miles up there, and there you can actually find the brewery. I was thinking about some variations on the theme. I thought it would be really funny if the only reason people are out to get the brew is because of the the um, the reputation you would get for being accepted. But it'd be hilarious if it wasn't very good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's just a challenge. So yeah, yep, just a challenge of getting it would be yep would be so good. So yep, so that was one of the 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 places. And there are some villages. There are some some. Um, uh, some small uh, fortresses and and a whole bunch of trails and some ruins and druid groves and and a couple of them and there are some 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 small monuments here and there and and there's probably about 35 or 40 small little features here and there spread across the island. Most of them are just a few dots. So so it's it's not detailed enough to be used as a battle map, but it's super detailed if you want to have an area to adventure in to have like a campaign or or an adventure path or something that is set on a bunch of islands that infest there's like a mine in one area where you can have undeads and haunted and and, an abandoned mine in one of them so so it's there's a whole bunch of different things and and it's detailed enough that you can have overland it's a hex crawl. It's a perfect map for hex crawl because you can have like if you if you use Pathfinder and you have 12 mile hexes it's probably about yeah, it's it's about ten six by six hexes, and and each hex is so detailed that you can spend a whole session game session and and to to just work over it, and you can actually see what the terrain look like, and you can if you have an application like Roll Twenty or D Twenty Pro or something where you use Fog of War, you can actually get the the hex and you can kind of reveal it bit by bit, and the players can see and they can go and explore in different areas. So so for so that way, my goal with this type of project is to have an overland wilderness map that you can treat the wilderness just like you would treat a dungeon in a in a dungeon crawl. So you can not only go from from a city to a city, but you can actually go across the landscape just like you would go across a, a, a dungeon. And that's how I try to treat terrain in in my campaign. My wilderness adventures is just like giant open dungeon crawls that you can go anywhere and you can actually see what the terrain looks like. That's certainly fantastic. It mm-hmm. it's gonna it it I can't wait to integrate it into some gameplay. Yeah. Um, Anthony, you got anything to talk about this morning? Mm. <laughs> oh, hey, it was Passover. It's Passover. It is. Happy Passover, everyone. Yeah, we did a we did a whole thing at, in my uh, class about Passover this week. I even had the kids make uh, pyramids, and I pretended to be King Pharaoh. And I was like, "Hey, make those pyramids!" I was like being really grumpy to the kids, being really mean, telling them to make you, pyramids out of clay. You teach you teach at a Jewish school. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even how though did you, how did you make that nerdy? I, okay, you you dressed <laughs> up as Pharaoh, obviously. Yeah, well, and then and then we actually have clay, so I was like having the kids making pyramids out of clay, and I'd be like, "Hey, I'm King Pharaoh, and I want you to make me those pyramids." And one of the kids was like, "You need to say please," and I was like, "King Pharaoh doesn't say please," and they're like, "That's not nice." <laughs> That's cute. So I somehow turned this whole story about making pyramids into teaching them about manners and how Pharaoh does not have manners. 
How old are your kids? Um, anywhere from two to three. We have some kids that turn three, and and there are like we have a few that won't even turn three till the summer yet. Has that job been as rewarding as you hoped it would be? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I really like doing it. I love the kids. I, I don't like the co-teacher I work with, but that's yeah, that's neither here nor there. Well, you've dreamed about teaching small children for a long time. I know. I, but now I'm at the point where I'm like waiting for the year to end, not because of the kids, but just because I'm like, hmm. Yeah, any any teaching job comes with a with a mandatory bit of disillusionment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, but what what is a nerdy thing? I guess I could talk about a nerdy thing. Um, I don't know. The big nerdy thing I've been doing so far has been LARP. I got back into playing Stardew Valley again. That's a like a farming, peaceful RPG game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then I added mods to turn all the animals into Pokemon, so I'm planning on turning my farm into a Pokemon ranch. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Stardew Valley, Anna? And I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about it. It's it's a it's sort of I, I would describe it more of a meditation than a game, right, Anthony? Yeah, kind of. Um so Ape? basically the guy who created his name is Concerned Ape and <laughs> That's not his real name, but that's his like his developer name. Mm. Um, mind you, he made his game entirely by himself. He did not get any help from anyone else. He did all the art assets, all the the music, all the um, the game mechanics. He did it all by himself. So he's he's a oh, genius. Wow. Um, and the whole point of the game was he was he really liked the Harvest Moon games, but he was like, "There's a way to improve on the. There's a way to improve the the." Um, What's the word? Um, Gameplay? No. Um, like, a way to improve the system. A way to improve the the recipe, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. So he included a bunch of things. So it's like, it's got the same farming stuff that, like, every other Harvest Moon games ever have. But then it also has, like, <clears throat> these mines that go mining where there's monsters. And you can fight the monsters and collect monster parts. And there's a whole town of people where you can go and like give the people their gifts and you can develop friendships which in later harvest moon games you could do that too the difference though is these relationships in this game seem a little bit more real and they're a little bit more adult um like i'll 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 be back sorry that's okay yep (laughs) anthony anthony is by himself with his child this morning and he's still Mm -hmm. he's still happy to join us so let's hear it for anthony yay yay yep um, I have, um, I just recently saw Black Panther. Oh, you have? I haven't seen it. So, so what's your verdict? Is, oh, are you as stoked good. as everybody else? Yep. I was very stoked. I got a little overhyped for me when I saw it. Cause after mm-hmm. I finished seeing it, I was just kind of like, it was good. It was good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I didn't find myself knocked out of my seat. Like it was the best movie I ever saw. And I think that was just because I got I had too many people telling me, oh, my God, you have to see it. It's amazing. You're going to be blown yeah, away. So, it's the best Marvel yeah. movie ever. But it was mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, yep. I was most drawn to the technology. And one thing I kept on wondering is how well the cultural representation was. I, I mean, because I have I'm completely ignorant. I have no idea. Uh huh. Um, I mean, it's obviously an imaginary country in Africa. It's not a real place, so they have some leeway. But it was it was really cool to see a movie with an entirely black cast. Well, mostly. Um, they it didn't feel like they were trying to whiten it up at all. It there were there were like two 
main white actors in the movie and they they felt like they needed to be there like they were part of the story mm-hmm. they weren't just there because the studio was afraid of having an all-black cast no it, it felt like it was good it was it, it was a kind of movie we really needed to see i like black panther in the comics but i was never real familiar with black panther i mean all i knew about him was that he's a king of a nation who's also a superhero and I never really understood how that worked, and the movie presented it pretty well in a way that makes it work. The premise of the movie is that there's a secret nation in Africa that has a metal called vibranium, which allows them to create ahead-of-its-time technology. So this was a nation that, during the rise of other nations, they already had technology surpassing other nations. This is like a nation that had planes during the Roman conquest. So super futuristic place. And they built a force field that made their country invisible, except for the public part of their country that made them look like sheep farmers. So the entire world thought they were just a third world nation when Mm -hmm. really they were the most advanced nation in the in the world. That sounds like a really good plot for me. Yep. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yep. Yeah. It sounds like a good movie. I really want to see it. Yeah, and and I I wanted to see it, but then for various reasons I was busy the the opening weekend and 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 a few days after. So 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 then there was so much hype and everybody was talking about it. So I decided to wait a bit until no one is talking about it, and I kind of forgot all the hype because I don't want to to go to a movie expecting it to be the the most awesome movie of its genre, and and then. Because then I'm I'm afraid I might be disappointed or not appreciated enough. So I will probably wait like six months or, or, or something and then see it in, in when when it comes available some other way or year or whatever it might take. And then I can really enjoy it because my yeah, you you guys know that I'm not much of a, a in, into the genre, so to speak, but this seems to be very interesting simply because it's kind of a different from the regular superhero movies, and 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 I really want to see it. If nothing else, I want to see it simply because of the the political hype and and all the impact and the change in Hollywood and and so on and so forth. So I want to see it for that reason, if nothing else, but also because I'm a fairly nerdy person, if even if I'm not into superheroes. So I there's several reasons I want to see it. I want to wait for the hype to kind of not disappear but go into history then i want to see it i i kind of want you to see the thor movies oh okay yeah <laughs> just just because you know thor and you're swedish yeah. and it, yeah. i want to yeah. see so, what you think yeah. for, for me it's a it's a something uh, historic superstition is the way i i i try to to depict how I saw it. That was the superstition that my ancestors had back in the day. And there's so many references in place names in 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 old things on runestones and and so on and so forth. But it's just old cultural stuff. When when you grew up like I did in in the sixties and seventies and and up until the early eighties. Then also from, you grew up in a city. Well, I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a, in a small town that was like 5000 people back then and and the the countryside was fairly close by and and we had big city like an hour away it was Gothenburg the second biggest city in the country but there was there was these old old things were around here and there and even the churches were like a thousand years old the oldest and and so there were things that has been 
been around for quite some time and there were some rune stones and and some some old um, uh, castles and, and like fortifications and stuff that were even more than a thousand years old they were two thousand years old and and so so, so and and these kind of old settings and i went i've been to Uppsala to the to where the this the this is supposed to be have been an old temple that was um, dedicated to Udin and when they did the midwinter blood and and all the the old pagan rituals of, of back in the day and they had they made some I've seen some some re reconstructions of of what the buildings and stuff look like so the viking age was old cultural heritage for me and 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 the that way and and he also an heritage that was abused and misused back it's it, i can't blame hollywood or any modern ones to to pick up the viking thing and, and make it into something else because that the swedes did that themselves swedes and norwegians and germans did it back in in the 1900s or, or even back in the 1800s they 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 revived old nationalism and used Viking uh, paraphernalia and 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 the, the Viking stories. So so it was actually the Scandinavians and Germans and others who who've been Vikings and and had similar cultures back in the day who actually kind of made it into a modern new thing. So it started there and then others picked up the mantle and now Hollywood have done it too. And and in many ways it's cool because it it's it's kind of keeps the old sagas and and stuff. It's alive and 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 vibrant, but it it has very little to. I haven't seen the Thor movies, but looking at them, they seem to have very little apart from symbology and the name to do with the original backstories from the Viking Age that oh. I kind of grew up with. Yeah, like nothing at all. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it, Thor yeah. is an alien, and yeah, yeah, it has nothing at all to do yeah. with but, the but, actual but Viking. I, yeah, but I kind of like the cross pollination because that's how creativity works the best so to speak and i would call it cultural creativity and and i don't mind it at, at all well what one of the things the way the movie puts it is yes they're aliens but they're aliens that visited earth and that's where the mythology came from oh yeah that that one that's another theme that have, have recurred many times over and and especially in 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 how we guess that that's some of the ideas we have the uh, the the uh, those uh, big spaceman like figures that are a mile long down in in the Atacama desert the, the okay, figures I got to know in, more about that yeah so so there are plenty of of stuff and there's what what are these I mean, what are these big spaceman like figures that are like a mile long i've never heard of this before Oh, it's it's down in I forgot the name. It's down in a desert in South America, one of the driest places on the planet. Someone drew things that look like landing strips and figures that look like spacemen, and 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 they are at at least 500 years old, or, or they are really old. They're, they're, they've, they've been found in modern times, but they're old. And they also found, because the place is so dry, they found some some people they buried that were mummified. And, and that's how they, they have dated it. And I forgot the name, but it, it's there. We can find all the details and, and have a separate episode. And people have started, nowadays, people go wild with speculation. What are these, these uh, big figures and these big patterns? It looks a bit like you can land a plane on it it's like a huge runway and think we'll say oh that they had contact with aliens who came from space and they they make this as markers for them to land and stuff like that i don't i'm a very non-superstitious person so i don't really believe it but it in a way it looks like an open-air temple where they made pictures of the god and stuff but why 
make a picture that is only you can only make sense of if you're in outer space or at least 10,000 feet or more up in the air. Because if you're on the ground, you just see small white rocks are put in weird patterns and you can't see the the what they look like unless you're way up in the sky and and why would anyone do that hundreds of years ago that's that's an interesting mystery and 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 there are other examples there is like a hill somewhere in britain i think it, it maybe it's in wales but somewhere in britain there is a big uh, giant that someone put stones on a slope of a hill that is the same way if you stand on the ground you just see stones here and there in the terrain but if you're up in an airplane a mile up in the air, all of a sudden you see a big giant. So there are many examples of this. So maybe there were aliens that <laughs> that these people signaled to by by making pictures of themselves, or or maybe someone just figure out that someone with an artistic bent simply make art that was supposed to be be looked at from a perspective he couldn't get to. So so there's a lot of, of interesting. Yeah, maybe they had technology. Back and then, really we have yeah. no way of knowing that they had yep. it. Yep. So it's, you know, it's, maybe it's they could fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's interesting. There, there are at least Ooh, indications that someone thought about the idea of flying, but that's kind of obvious because birds and stuff have been around longer than than men. So, so we know that things can fly. It's yeah. So, so, so there's we'll a lot of how to make things. us fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My um, my family is my family is very Christian and. One thing my mom told me that blew me away that I always thought was really cool is so in the Christian faith, we talk we we believe that there was a flood and the and that Noah had the ark. And we've all heard the story before about the ark and the flood that destroyed everything. But my mom said something to me a long time ago that really opened my mind about things. Um, She said, how do we know that the people before the flood didn't have better technology than we have now? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it it gives you permission to speculate. It's not close-minded, and I I yeah. I love that. I love that mm-hmm. you can speculate about things. You don't have yeah. to think that everything has to be a certain way. Yeah, and 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 for me, for me, coming at it from from a, a very secular perspective. Because I'm 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 not a religious person at all, but I still think it's amazing. But for me, it's more like I'm I'm pretty sure that that technology have advanced slowly and s- not steadily, but slowly over time. So I don't think that there were cultures who had airplanes and 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 modern technology back in the day. But and and I'm pretty sure that you mankind is about maybe a quarter of a million years to like two hundred thousand years or something. That's when we we started. But but the interesting thing is that there are other cousins of us that we know used stone tools and stuff like that so we weren't alone until and we had the neanderthals that disappeared we know they disappeared like twenty five thousand years ago so so they are there but i don't but for me the most interesting thing is looking out in space how many other aliens and 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 intelligent civilizations and stuff is out there and also how long do they survive and would we ever get contact with them and and I'm I'm now I'm stoked because we start having the technology to actually look at other planets and stuff. So I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we if I would see in my lifetime, if I live another thirty years, that we might actually find another planet with life on it. I don't think we will find either intelligent life, but we might find another planet with an ecosystem on it. Then I'm pretty sure it would be the odds for that are fairly high. And that to me would be just amazing. 
I don't know. The universe is really big. There's probably other yeah. intelligent life out there. I oh, yes. I, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, I heard this thing um, that finding alien life would be probably one of the most devastating things for humans. It depends on uh, – yeah. I don't think – Can you I've, Can you elaborate on that, Anthony? Yeah, please. So I was watching this video, and it was talking about the um, – it was from this uh, YouTube channel. I think they're called uh, Kurskegaard. Yes, I've seen that one. That? Mm -hmm. So they're talking about the Fermi Paradox. Uh, the Fermi Paradox, for those of you that don't know, was invented by – was thought of by this guy named Fermi. Um, the idea is that um, there are so many stars and so many planets that it's almost impossible that there's no life. Like like the the, the possibility of there not being life is astronomically low. The, the galaxy should be teeming with life everywhere, and yet we found nothing. So the question is, well, why? So he came up with the idea of these these great filters, things that filter out life. So one of them is like, well, maybe life is just really difficult to get started. And maybe um, it's really hard for life to go beyond the cellular stage. These are great filters. So the idea is that maybe there's another great filter um, that kind of stops intelligent life from basically going on beyond their planet. Um, and the problem is, is um, and we don't know where that filter is. Where the next can, like great huge filter? We, we could, yeah, we might be, be before the filter, and it might hit us soon, or we might be behind yeah. the filter and don't realize that we're already past it. And and it's like we might. One of the things that that they they depicted so is like you might have a ecological destruction, meaning once a, a species start to dominate a planet, you kind of screw up the environment so much, and then afterwards you realize that oh oh now we screwed it up so much that we will die in in a few generations. And and we might have already gotten to that point without realizing it that from now on we screwed if we don't leave the planet and it might be technically impossible to to go further than 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 the moon or or maybe another planet or two but you might never discover faster than light travel so we can't reach the other stars and 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 so so yeah so so that that was a real eye opener but but still we're talking about so long lifespan or times thing but if if you go like a few billion years from now the the sun will grow and the earth will be engulfed so yeah so life on earth will be extinguished within a kind of a, 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 a on a cosmic scale a fairly recent time in a few billion years the earth will be gone and and it will be 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 toast and and whatever life is on 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 earth will be dis extinguished one way or the other within a few billion years that's that's a cosmic certain one way or the other unless technology can surpass it yeah but then yeah. on the other hand we will have evolved into something else there will be yeah. other creatures have taken our spot long time ago meaning humans are only a million years old as as a, a group of species and and five million years ago was someone else and i bet that in five million years there will be someone else too i don't think humans humans will not be around as humans for maybe more than a few hundred thousand years exactly. and then someone else will have taken over and yeah. i don't and see that so, as a problem yeah. and so they're saying that like basically finding other life would be like that means that there's still a filter, possibly. Yeah, exactly, and and I I think there are natural filters, but and and but life as as a phenomena, I think, is so resilient that life will survive, and and when the sun grows and engulfs the earth, and 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 even Mars will be toasted, then there might be be life on on planets next to Jupiter and and Saturn and stuff. So yeah.
but now we're getting out of the nerdy to the and, kind of speculative. Oh, and, and everything is nerdy if you obsess over it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, we are out of time. Um, we are going to describe a movie. Well, I'm going to describe a movie badly right now, but yes. I just saw yesterday, and I can make this really fast. Um, so I saw The Shape of Water, and I'm going to describe this movie. This this is the best picture winner, The Shape of Water. Um, and I couldn't get over the fact that this won the Oscar because this is what the movie's about. A mute woman who works at a government facility meets a fish man, falls in love with the fish man, breaks the fish man out of the government facility, then fucks the fish man. <laughs> <laughs> It's a novel story. It at least is not a mermaid. It's a merman. Yes. Yeah. That's um, cool. But everything I just said happens in that movie. Okay. So, yeah, and that's my movie described badly. It's a very well-made movie. It's mm -hmm. fantastic in every sense of the word. And Doug Jones was amazing as the monster. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's about a movie about a woman who fucks a fish man. Yeah. I like how you took what, what I'm guessing was a very, like, wonderful, dramatic movie, and you're like, woman fucks a fish man. Yes. It's sort of like, um, 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 oh, God, I can't think of his name. Leonardo DiCaprio getting raped by a bear. Okay. Yeah. In, in Revenant. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, you can hem down any movie into its component parts. Oh, my God. My cat is going insane. My cat got a hold of a piece of plastic. And it's okay. Just, my my son is going insane. I'm sure some people could hear him. He's he's just kind of throwing a wild tangent back there. Yeah, daddy's been yeah. gone too long. Um, Aiden lives in his own little world. Well, I mean, he's he's gonna be going to he's gonna be going to a psychology appointment soon to get to get all that mess checked out. <laughs> um, well, my hopes are are good for you. Um, he's gonna be fine. He's a good kid. Um, so Anna, um. You have done a fine job of promoting your Patreon. Um, where do people get a hold of you and find your work? They can either go to ghmaps.net or they can go to patreon.com forward slash Anna B. Meyer. Yeah, go right. give her money, people. She's amazing. <laughs> Makes cool stuff. You can find us at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. You can give us money, too. Give everybody yes, money. give us all the money. I do. And I do. I'm a supporter of the podcast. Yeah, she, yep. Anna is mm -hmm. one of our patrons. See, 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 if you support Anna, you should support us because you love Anna and you love us. <laughs> Money. <laughs> I I just keep thinking of that, like the spoiled girl asking her dad for money with the handout. Like, money, please. <laughs> <laughs> No, but Patreon is a wonderful thing because it gives you the chance to, to, to do things straight to your fans and not being between going to a publisher and then the publisher will give it. So, so it's a chance for, for me to do things that my fans can tell me what to do and they can have a dialogue and a direct impact on projects. And that is, is really cool. That, that's beneficial for me. Not only the money, the money makes the possible for me to not having to do anything else but it also a good venue to to have my most dedicated fans to support me tell me what to do and how to do it and if it's good or or bad that's the best well, way of viewing it because i i love being able to go on the patreon and talk to the people who are really dedicated to our podcast yep. yeah and patreon is a way that like allows people who otherwise would not be able to 
create their passion into a, a job and make it kind of into a job or a, a way to make money because uh you know maybe like you like doing music but you just being able to get a record label is just not feasible start a patreon um mm-hmm. you want to write books but maybe you know getting published is very difficult start a patreon like yep one of the things that's hardest about patreon though is you o- you almost have to have the fan base already you can't yes. use it to build one or, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, possible, you, you but probably have to go to social media first. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's it, you, you exactly. To, to, you don't use Patreon to to gather the attention. It's you use Patreon to manage the attention. Meaning, because once you get enough of traction around, and you start having maybe a, a couple of thousand people who know about you, you always have a, a, a noisy little crowd to yell and scream and have ideas and, and whatnot and so on. But that gives a chance for genuine fans who really wants to support your work to create to to support it and therefore get a special venue way. So you can listen to the fans that really support you as a creator. You can listen to them in a special form. It doesn't mean that you stop listening to all the noise and, and, and all that around and, and stop gather more interest in what you do. It's you open a special venue for, for fans who, who really wants to help you and support you. And and that for me was the key because that gets me a chance to to work on pet projects to develop new technologies and stuff and and let the fans that are really willing to to support me to to give me the the feedback and also to teach them how to do what I do. I, that, I love your relationship oh. with your fans on the Patreon. You 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 just have this enthusiasm that's just infectious. Yeah, thank you. And and one of the hidden things that I haven't talked much about that is one of my goals with my patron is to find people that can help me tackle bigger projects. So it's a way of, of weeding out who, who to hire as a helper down the line. That's one of the, 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 the kind of secret goals with my patron. We've gone the other yeah. way around where um, people who have gotten involved in the podcast as guests – have jumped onto the Patreon to support the podcast. Like they've become part of the nerd podcast family. Um, we are at the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna, Anthony, um, till we meet again. I know. Right. Who knows when that'll be. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fantastic. And thank you listeners for listening to us. We, we don't do that often enough. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> we wouldn't be a we we would still be a podcast without listeners. I was going to say we wouldn't be a podcast without listeners, but if nobody listened, we'd still put it up every week. Yeah, <laughs> still put it up, and like um, all the listens would just be ourselves. Because <laughs> this is all about us and just getting together and talking about nerdy stuff every week. If if you listen, I'm glad you enjoy it, but we do it because we like to. Yeah, um, it's all for us. So but, I mean, you know, if you want to support us, that's cool. <laughs> so this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. We had a great talk this week. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I felt really bad when I gave Michael a hard time for the jokes at the end. So say goodbye, Anthony. Brian, cut him off. Bye, Brian. Podcast Radio.